This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is AMI Audio Live, bringing community events closer to you. Hello and welcome to another AMI Audio Live broadcast. This time, beautiful Ottawa, Ontario, in the home of the legendary Ottawa 67's Junior Hockey Club and TD Place Arena. I'm Jeff Ryman of AMI Audio. In a few minutes, the Canadian National Blind Hockey Team will host USA Blind Hockey in the second International Blind Ice Hockey Series, and the first one hosted right here in Canada. It's part of a whole weekend of activities, which include three games between Canada and the USA, an open division series featuring the Furies versus the Red Blacks, and the new Ottawa 67s and Canadian Blind Hockey Children and Youth Program, powered by OSEG Foundation. This will become the 12th blind hockey program across Canada and will finally bring the sport to the nation's capital on a permanent weekly basis. The entire event, free to attend, and is presented by Accessible Media Inc. and brought to you by the CNIB Foundation. And like I said, in a few minutes... We'll bring in just the rest of this broadcast team, but for today's opening game, it'll include Mike Ross, who doubles as the public address announcer, Dave Brown, and play-by-play by the one and only Nico Cartarelli. There will be some brief opening ceremonies in the official puck draw featuring a local Ottawa hockey legend. And if you're not aware, the sport of blind hockey is played by athletes who range legally from legally blind approximately 10% vision or less to completely blind using an adapted puck and makes noise and is larger than a traditional puck. And less than 10 years ago, the game was merely an unorganized pastime played recreationally by just a handful of Canadians across the country. Now blind hockey, it's well and thriving and an international parasport with more than 20 programs and hundreds of players across North America, and new programs actually growing in Russia, Finland, and England. In October 2018, the sport hit a major milestone when the world's first international blind ice hockey series took place in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the USA Hockey Blind Hockey Summit. Last season, Canada defeated USA two games to zero, and now Canada, they have the chance to host the event for the first time and try to defend their title in front of a home crowd. In addition to this international series, an Ottawa youth program, the 2019 Eastern Regional Blind Hockey Tournament, includes an open division for players of all skill levels to compete in a fun tournament while developing their skills. All told, the 2019 Eastern Regionals will provide the opportunity for more than 60 participants from across North America who were blind or partially sighted to enjoy blind hockey. The 2019 Eastern Regional Blind Hockey Tournament is made possible by AMI Accessible Media Inc., the CNIB Foundation, the Daniel Family Foundation, Electra Health, Mannion and Local Partners TD Canada Trust, the Ottawa 67s and OSEG Foundation, and, of course, Parasport TV. And speaking of Parasport TV, I'd like to bring in the one and only play-by-play Nico Cardarelli, how are you, Nico? I am excellent, Jeff. Thank you for having me here. Thank you guys for being alongside us again as we are moments away from the opening puck drop. Uh, I know everyone last night at the banquet for Team USA and Team Canada 
was super excited. I don't think the guys got great sleep because of how excited they are. So I think we're going to have a really exciting game here this morning. And I know you were part of the broadcast crew last year that went down to Pittsburgh. Can you sort of give us a recap and sort of how that went? That was a really historic series. And um, we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the incredible job by the Pittsburgh Penguins in hosting us for that event. That took place at the official Pittsburgh Penguins practice facility, and it was an incredible venue. Uh, it was a three-game series where Canada did sweep the series three games to none. Some of the scores a little bit lopsided, um, but I think what we'll see here this weekend compared to Pittsburgh is how much both programs have grown over that basically year. Um, you know, USA's got a very different-looking team here than they had in Pittsburgh. There are a lot of brand-new names on the American team. I think there's five new names on the Canadian team. So there are a lot of guys making their debut here. We had a historic series in Pittsburgh in October of 2018. We're certainly writing the next chapter of this historic story here this weekend in Ottawa. And just from my experience at the 2018 or 2019 uh, Canadian National Tournament, the USA, they came up here with a couple of their players and obviously played against uh, some of the Canadian players. And it, it was just exciting to see just the new players and the new faces that have all come. And it seems that every single year and almost like every single month and um, everything just sort of changes, whether it's the players, the coaches, there just seems to be new bodies and new faces uh, all the time. And it, I think it just speaks volumes to the growth of the sport. And like you said, there's just so many new names on this U.S. roster that that may be familiar to myself just from the the past tournament that was in Toronto. But mm. this tournament, I think, um, it, it's, it, it's completely growing. I mean, um, it, it's just incredible to see from a standpoint where, and I always speak about this on the broadcast when we're in Toronto, is that it's awesome that these guys get together as often as they do. I mean, it's it's hard for them because they come from literally just across the country. I'm looking yeah. at the roster right now. Indiana, Washington, Chicago, Seattle, Hartford, Idaho. Mm -hmm. They're literally all over the place. And uh, and I think that, you know, reading the intro as well, there was obviously more players coming from not just North America. I mean, yeah. there's some, I, I think Russia is yes. probably the newest one. You know, it's it's a really exciting time in the growth of the sport. Uh, certainly on the international level. And, of course, we've got the Open Division here later today as well. But, you know, you guys are here to cover the international series. That's really what's going to help push this sport to a Paralympic level. And Matt had a story last night at the banquet. And I think we should share with the listeners because it kind of uh, illustrates the, the path of the sport and, and where it's going. And Matt mentioned how they talked to the people who invented wheelchair rugby and how it was this recreational backyard sport that a few people in Winnipeg were playing for fun and all of a sudden it ballooned all of a sudden in overnight success 10 years later. But all of a sudden it ballooned into this incredible Paralympic sport that's played on a global scale. And in their discussions, Matt figured out that what really helped elevate the uh, profile of wheelchair rugby is when Canada and USA started playing these showcase series. And really, now we're kind of at that point with blind hockey. 
We had the one in Pittsburgh. This is the next chapter. I can tell you that both teams, as much as they're focused on the ice and, and the task at hand this weekend, the, the, the coaching staffs, the organizers for both teams are already thinking, how do we make our next international series even better? And how do we grow it to other countries? And you're absolutely right, Jeff. Russia has invested huge amount of dollars and energy in terms of starting up their program. They sent coaches over to the Canadian summer camp in Toronto. They've sent coaches out to Chicago and to Tampa Bay to work with USA blind hockey. There's no doubt in my mind that Russia's going to be on the international scale soon. We've got Finland and England as well. Australia is holding a program this weekend. It is blowing up all across the world. And I think to get that to the Paralympic level, you're going to have to have more than just the Canada versus U.S. rivalry. But like you just mentioned, um, I, I think... Primarily in hockey, but I guess in any sport, really, whenever you have that cross-border rivalry, we've seen it with Sweden and Finland. We've seen it with, um, you know, even like Canada-Russia, it doesn't have to border each other. But, you know, you have to have that one true rivalry that really sparks the interest. And I remember my first year of commentating the blind hockey tournaments is there was, I think, one fellow from England who came over. And I guess he brought it back and said, hey, I've got this great sport that I just tried in North America, you have to try it. And uh, it, it's really seemed to spark interest. Like, I've seen news outlets over in England pick up stories and try to broadcast and, and try to spread the word that way. And and you, you think of England as maybe not a traditional hockey market. Yeah. But when you bring a parasport of, of this level... Um, I think it really does spark that interest. And, of course, the Russians, I mean, they love hockey. They yes. love competing. It just makes natural sense for them to get involved. Same thing with Finland. I'm sure we'll see Sweden tack on eventually as well. All the Scandinavian countries who love hockey. I mean, it's just a matter of time. And, and, and like we said, it's been a, a, a tradition, like a sport um, that's played at more than just a recreational level for maybe 10 years and it's like you said wheelchair rugby it took them at least 10 years to really get on the map so i think um obviously with having these other countries involved um it's really going to spark some interest so it's uh, awesome to see yeah for sure i mean it's it's such an exciting time right now in the sport and uh you know i i think you hit on something crucial there Obviously, we want traditional hockey countries to get involved. You know, Finland is putting a program together, and that's we all know how uh, the Finns and Canadians share this incredible love of hockey. And you're right, once Finland has a national team, it's not long until Sweden gets a national yep. team. But I think the coolest thing about what we're uh, starting to see is that um, non-traditional hockey countries but countries that have invested in their sled hockey programs are now showing a ton of interest in blind hockey. So that's where Australia really comes that's into crazy. play. England I never as thought, well. I never thought Australia would be a place that, you know, would... You would never think, no. right? And and honestly, like, it's we've always kind of joked about it because we've got so many guys on in our program of Italian background, Italian heritage, that... We got to start an Italian team one day. And, and in Italy, they've invested so much in their sledge hockey team, their sled hockey team, 
that I really do think we have to go over there at some point and put on some demonstration games. But it's pretty amazing to see the non-traditional hockey countries really have the thirst for it. Uh, and you mentioned England. We do have to give a big shout-out to Nathan Tree as he is heading up Blind Ice Hockey UK. And they've put together, I think, four on-ice sessions just this year alone. So uh, at the upcoming Nationals in March in Toronto, I think they're going to have multiple players coming over from England, and we're really excited about that. And as we uh, gear towards the first game here, which is slated to start for around 12 o'clock, we have some school children, I guess, from the surrounding schools uh, filling in the stadium. I'll just run over the schedule before we bring in our, our first guest, Karen McGee. Uh, but today, Friday, November 8th, 12 p.m., Canada versus USA. That's the first game of the weekend at Following that, 1.30 till 3 o'clock is the Open Division. That's the Furies versus the Red Blacks. Saturday, November 9th is at 1 p.m. Canada versus USA. That's their second game. Following that at 3 p.m. is Ottawa 67's and Canadian Blind Hockey Children and Youth Program. And then after that, 4 p.m. Open Division, Furies versus Red Blacks again. And of course, this all wraps up on Sunday the 10th and at 9.30 in the morning, it's the Open Division Furies versus Red Blacks. That's their third game. And 11 a.m. is the finals between Canada and the U.S. And right now, I want to bring in a familiar face and voice to AMI, Karen McGee. And, of course, she's based out of Ottawa. And she spent many years in this rink. And, Karen, you were telling me you haven't been in this rink for a lo- was it 18 years or something? Uh, well, since about 2002. Wow. So, yeah, math is hard. Um, but, yeah, no, I used to be lucky enough to cover the uh, Ottawa 67s for Rogers TV and um, direct and produce a lot of those games. And uh, stepping into this rink, um, the last blind hockey I was at was in um, Toronto at the Madame Centre, which used to be the Maple Leaf Gardens, and a lot of history there. And I feel there's a lot of history in this rink as well. And um, looking at some of the players who played here, Dennis Popvan, Peter Lee, um, Bobby Smith, Brian Campbell, and of course, you can't forget Brian Kilray, who is still the winning, winning, winningest coach in OHL history, and he'll be out later on today to uh, be part of the puck drop ceremony. So there's a lot of emotions coming in here. Mike Ross, and Mike Ross used to uh, be the PA announcer in here during the Memorial Cup run, including 1999. Um, we were talking about some of the uh, good times we'd had in this rink and the players and just listing them off, and it's amazing how well your memory keep some of these players and some of these situations in, you know, different things. We're pointing at the ice, and, you know, I remember when so-and-so was hurt there. That's where I was standing when the game-winning puck was scored. But there's a feel in this rink, and the one thing about this rink, too, is it smells like a hockey rink. I like that like, smell, by I the know, way. I know, I know, so do I. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of a, that musky, sort of sweaty hockey coffee. Hockey Yeah, a little bit of coffee smell in there. But it's, uh, it's, a, it's a rink in this great new facility they have here at Lansdowne Park that they still do a lot of great things at. As, as you know, the school kids come in, this is pretty exciting for them. You know, there's actually a 67s player out on the ice uh, sort of doing a pre-day, pre-game, pre-day game skate. They have a 67s have a game tonight, but uh, it's, uh, it's nice being back in this rink. And it's nice to, in, in, in this area, too, we have the CNIB New Ottawa Hub, which Kelly and Company broadcasted, I think in June it was. When we were here, I when, think that, it was when, June, that, yeah. when it officially opened, beautiful day. I still remember that. And it's just a beautiful area around here. And it's just so historical. Uh, I'm looking on the wall. I mean, they're OHL champions in 77, 84, 2001. They obviously won the Mem Cup in 84. And, of course, uh, Mike Ross showing off his bling bling 
uh, from, from the memorial. It's pretty spectacular, isn't it? It's a beautiful ring, but, I mean, compared to the Raptors ring, <laughs> you know, you uh, not not to, to throw any shade at Mike, Where but is he? just the styles, right? Like, that's what... 30-ish years. Look how much the style of championship ring has changed, It right? was 30 years ago this past May. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I am old. <laughs> that 30 that's 30 is scary to that's say. That's not what I meant. No, but it's, uh, it's, uh, no, 20, no, tw- yeah, no, 99. Like no, tw- said, math 20, is hard. 20, 20 years. 20 years, math is hard. Who are you scared? <laughs> I'm going, wait a minute. What happened to the other 10 years? But no, it's, um, there, there's something about this rink, like you said, the yeah. history. And, you know, you say names like Brian Kilroy. Yeah. Like most Canadians, I'm thinking, know that name. For sure. Jeff, yeah. you knew it, right? Like yeah. that. You know, he, he spent one year coaching in the NHL, but the rest has been building the OHL. And, you know, parents would say they would send boys to Kilray and they'd, see, they, they'd get men Come back. Come back, men, yeah. Come back, men. I love that. And my other favorite story from here is um, going into the last overtime of the Memorial Cup game in 1999. And Mike Ross swears this is true. I don't know if it's urban legend or if it's true. The players went in for their, you know, talk from the coach before coming back out on the ice. And Kilroy walked into the dressing room and looked around and said, one of you is going to be a hero. And he walked back out. Hmm. And that, that still gives me goosebumps. That was, his, that was his big pep talk. And apparently that's true. Um, and they ended up winning. And it was, a, it was a pretty special day here in that rink. And I think, you know, when you have, when there's something like that that brings a city together, hmm. you know, like, like hockey brings people together. And to be part of something like that, whether it's, it's playing when you're a kid, and I was very lucky. I started playing in the 1980s when girls didn't play hockey. I was sure. very lucky. And that brings communities together. And whether, you know, it's the blind, low-vision community or it's your small-town community where I grew up or it's a city like Ottawa, there's something that's really bonding and Canadian about hockey. And I think that's why when you walk into a rink that has history in it, whether, you know, it's the Mattamy Center, formerly yeah. Maple Leaf Gardens are here, you just get, you get goosebumps and... You, you know, feel it. It's it's. Uh, we talk about the growth of the sport on an international level, but I think we we also have to acknowledge the incredible work that uh, Matt Morrow and Luca Demontis have done in terms of Canadian blind hockey and and putting events like this together. And you know, it, it I think it's a testament to what they're doing and and the cause here in terms of being able to play at venues like this, having people like Brian Kilray come out to drop the puck. That stuff doesn't just happen accidentally, and I think we need to really uh, give those guys a ton of credit for all the work they've done. I think whenever you can grow the sport in, you know, different markets, like they're opening up a new Ottawa team. They're opening yeah. up. That, which is huge. Which is massive. And, and you know, again, they didn't get the 67's name on the jersey by happenstance, right? There's a partnership there. James Boyd, the, the general manager, loves what we're doing, and we love him. And, you know, it's, it's such a perfect partnership here. I know everyone in the community is really excited that there's a permanent program here now, as there should have been. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that we'll probably see that spread out across the majority of the major Canadian markets. I mean, we yeah. see just in the... In the and 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 the kind of verbal diarrhea here. NHL um, with Ottawa, Winnipeg. There's probably going to be a couple more spreading out, probably over across the prairies. Um, and and I, I'd expect that just to keep growing. I mean, hockey is is definitely Canada's national sport, and I, I think it's just um, for for most for a lot of these kids when they're really young, they just want to be accepted. They want to play on a team, and, and usually. Um, you know, if you have, uh, if you are blind or if you're partially sighted, sometimes you get left out. It, it's, it's, it's sad, but it is kind of the truth where there's not always that team that that is, is, is going to be there for you. And I think having a team like Blind Hockey where you can go and say, hey, yeah, 
I, I can play hockey. And, and, um, and I, I think that's going to be special. And you'll probably see a lot of these various markets, and I think they're going to start teaming up. We've already seen, like you mentioned, Nico, off the top, uh, how Pittsburgh last year was was involved heavily with their Pittsburgh team, and I think Washington, the Capitals, are heavily involved with their yep. uh, with their team. Um, and, and I think a lot of the Canadian markets, I think Calgary, they have they have a pretty big um, impact on the blind hockey out, out, out in Calgary, and I think that we're going to see this spread out um, a lot over over the next little while. So that's going to be, I think, really exciting. Familiar voice again who was just on live from Studio 5, somehow magically appeared here at TD Place. Dave Brown, how's it going? Good, Jeff. On a day when uh, many folks are wearing many hats, uh, our VP, John Melville, played Uber driver for me after uh, oh, live nice. from Studio it's 5. It's good he was so. put to use for something yeah. on a Friday. <laughs> so I, was, I, got the, I got the star treatment, the uh, door-to-door uh, chauffeur service, so I'm, I'm not complaining at all. Uh, what a great atmosphere. I, I know you guys have already mentioned it in here. Uh, the Zamboni's on the ice right now, cleaning things up. We've already got a pretty good crowd here. It looks like a lot of young people are here to take in the game this afternoon. Uh, looks like it's a great atmosphere here inside uh, Lansdowne Park TD Place. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got the Zamboni going on. We just heard Mike Ross give the old mic check one two one two. He's probably getting nice that he's doing his job too. That's good. Yeah. He's at least doing something now, I guess, right? Um, but I'm assuming once the Zamboni's done, we'll probably get to the opening games or the opening ceremonies, and then we'll get to uh, the games shortly after that. So, um, like, I'll go over the schedule one more time. We got at 12 o'clock, so in a couple minutes, about 10 minutes, it'll be Canada versus the USA. You'll be hearing that on AMI audio. And then after that, 1.30, we'll have the Open Division, Furies versus the Red Blacks. Nico Cardarelli will have that on Parasport TV. Saturday, 1 o'clock, Canada versus USA, game number two. 3 o'clock is the Ottawa 67s and Canadian Blind Hockey Children and Youth Program. That is brand spanking new, and that's probably really exciting for a bunch of kids within this Ottawa area. 4 p.m., they have the Open Division, Furies versus Red Blacks, game two. Switching to Sunday... The last day of the tournament, 9.30 a.m. Open Division, Furies versus the Red Blacks. And, of course, the final game of this entire weekend is from 11 a.m. Uh, onwards till about 12.30, Canada versus USA, game number three. And, Dave, I want to bring you in one more time. You haven't been to uh, a blind hockey tournament, I, I don't think, in, in a little bit. It's, it's, is that it's, correct? It's been a while. I was at the 2012 tournament in Quebec City. That was one of the first uh, big assignments AMI ever sent me out on. In fact, the second story I ever did for AMI when I was freelancing back in 2011 was when Mark DeMontis was rollerblading across the country for what was at the time called Courage Canada just to raise awareness about the sport, let alone the growth and investment we've seen inside the last decade. So it's been uh, really remarkable to see what were really humble grassroots evolving into what's been a major event. I mean, you guys, I know, have been uh, at, at the major tournaments the last couple of years for AMI. I was at that uh, tournament again in 2012 in Quebec City, which was, uh, even that, you could tell the caliber of the game was already getting somewhere, and the enthusiasm for the sport was already growing at such a su- such a... Uh, impressive rate. So when we get a chance to sit here inside an OHL arena, one of the finer arenas inside the OHL, and we can feel that anticipation building and we see the crowd filling in, it really is a testament to the hard work that everybody at uh, Blind Hockey Canada has been doing, but also the work uh, down in the States as well. I'd say there's probably about couple hundred students right here mm-hmm. filling in the way, and I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised about the caliber of play. Whenever I tell somebody 
about blind hockey who has no idea what the sport is, I think they just have the most weird and ridiculous misconceptions. They just think people are going to be hitting each other, running into the boards. They don't really know what to expect. And Dave, with, with you seeing the last tournament back in 2012, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised as well as to uh, how the caliber of the game has really taken off. I mean, even just from my experience, I think it was the 2016 uh, Canadian National Tournament that was my very first experience. Um, and even from then onwards till until now, I, 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 every single time I come out to these events, I'm pleasantly surprised about the caliber of play. So uh, I think there's definitely a lot of misconceptions going on out there, especially those people who are were uninformed about this. And I think, you know, in, um, showing the kids, these school kids, that, you know, this could be a Paralympic sport one day mm-hmm. uh, is definitely pretty special. It's, it's one of the things, too, that people sometimes get lost when they talk about parasport. They assume that it's this kind of... Um you know, uh, community, community, community. That it's not that it's not elite. And the thing is, is that the, the athletes here play the game with a tenacity and a ferocity, and they train, they work at it. It's not just a, a beer league on a Saturday night, which I think sometimes is the impression yeah. Yeah. people get a pair of sport. Now, Nico, you're kind of, you, I think you kind of want to jump on that a little yeah, bit, right? You know, it's a really great point that that you bring up, Dave, because. Uh, we, we sort of have two levels of competition here. The open division where you do get a little more recreational and you can go out the night before and maybe have a couple of wobbly pops and <laughs> still hit the ice. But I tell you what, anyone wearing the Canada or USA jersey, they've been training for months. They've gone through extensive training camps. A lot of these guys have taken money out of their own pocket to secure ice so that they can skate multiple times a week. Mm. I mean, when you ask these guys, how are they feeling What's in your head? The answer is almost always the same with everyone. I was born ready for this. You know, they understand that not only are they representing their country when they put that jersey on, but they're paving a way for all the kids in the future who have ambitions of playing for their national team. And just because you have uh, a vision impairment, it doesn't mean that you can't one day represent your country at the elite level. And, And the proof is right here in front of us today. And Nico, I think you could probably speak to this better than anybody else, but could you just go through like what the average um, training process, I guess, for a tournament like this would include for Team Canada or even Team USA? It's a really good question. Both of these teams had week-long extensive training camps. Um, about Team Canada's was in July, uh, at the end of July, and Team USA had theirs, I think, less than a month ago. Uh, but both teams had, I think it was two a days on the ice. So you're hitting the ice multiple times a day. You're doing dry land exercises. You know, you're living a professional athlete lifestyle when you're at those training camps. You've got your meals scheduled. You've got, uh, you know, team activities. You've got off ice bonding. You're doing mental exercises in addition to the physical stuff you're doing. But then when you're away from the team training camp, the onus is really put on each individual player because, as you alluded to, Jeff, we've got players from all across both countries, coast to coast to coast. So it's not, unfortunately, we can't just bring them all together at a moment's notice. So Mm. the guys are very diligent about hitting the gym, getting on the ice, eating smart. I can't tell you how impressed I am with the dietary discipline that these guys have had because that was always my downfall whenever I tried to play sports. I was okay on the ice, but I could never, you know, hold myself back from having that extra slice of pizza. These guys, they are 
firing on all cylinders in every aspect. Wait, Nico, it's going to be impressive. Nico, you're saying that canned ravioli is not, uh, not appropriate uh, fuel to train yourself at I mean, elite as, as an Italian, maybe I shouldn't admit that I like that, but, you know, probably not the best fuel for your game. Well, guys, we got the players pretty much ready to go. The Zamboni is officially off the ice. We're moments away from puck drop, but right now, I think we're going to send it over to Mike Ross. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Pretty good. What's Just hanging out here. You're in the, the penalty box with Andy Frank. How, yes. How Very fitting is that? Yeah. <laughs> Very fitting for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, I'm very comfortable here. I spent a lot of time in the penalty box when I used to play. So, Ross, you've got a history here. I sure do. You were Absolutely. the PA announcer for, what, three years? Yep. I know I'm just this. talking to Andy Frank. Go get Brian. <laughs> Go get him. I know, I know. There's, I know, a lot's changed in here, Mike. But yeah. uh, what do you think of the new digs? It's, it's a very different-looking building. There's no doubt about it. But um, I think back to the days when I was here. You know, we had ten thousand fans in here every night, and and see, I used to come to games here as a kid. You had the old orange seats in this building way back when, and long before the NHL, long before the NHL was here. And this is uh, this is it's a different place now, and uh, and yet. Even with the Senators going on 20-whatever years, this is a city that still loves its junior hockey team. And uh, you know, no surprise that at an event like today, it's full of school kids. 67's games were all about the school kids. So, so it's, uh, it's nice to have them uh, be a part of it. And I, I guess we'll leave you be for now. I know you probably have to pick up another microphone as you're the PA announcer. <laughs> yes. So we'll let you go. We'll talk well, hey, to you just a hey, little bit. No, no. Before we go, I just I'm taking a walk down memory lane here because when I was the PA announcer for the '67s, '98 to 2001, one of the great joys of of my hockey broadcasting and announcing career was uh, being able to hang out with uh, a hall, well, future Hall of Famer, uh, Brian Kilray was the uh, head coach of the '67s back when I was here. And uh, he's with us here today. He's going to be part of our ceremonies. Brian, great to have you here. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. This is a wonderful thing for me when I see these athletes uh, with uh, the handicap that they have coming out here. Boy, they deserve a lot of credit. The one thing, I've been broadcasting this uh, blind hockey event now for about three or four years. And if you walk by and a game is being played, it seems like it's just like any other type of hockey. And it's just great to see... The love of the game and how quickly this game is spreading across the country. I think it's great. And for them to be able to get out, come in here, contribute to the, the game of hockey, but also to have the fun and involvement with other people and other teams. I just think it's wonderful and it's something that uh, well makes you proud to be here. I was just telling the guys that I started coming to 67's games when I was a kid, back when they had the orange seats in this building. You remember those days and and then ended up working for the 67s as the announcer here for a few years. And I think about the growth and the sustainability of the 67s even after the NHL came to this city. And I know that's something that you're proud of, how the fans and the community have continued to support the 67s. Yeah, we were fortunate. Uh, they played in our rink and, you know, we, so we shared the rink with them at the start. And then uh, they got their own rink and moved on. But a lot of the fans stayed with us. And, uh, you know, we've had some dips uh, in attendance, but that's mainly because we didn't have the teams that competed hard enough. And 
one thing about fans, they're loyal, but they know the game. And so um, the last couple of years, uh, they realized that we have a pretty good team. They're dedicated to winning. And uh, so they've come back, and we're thankful because uh, it makes it better for the players too. It's wonderful to have you here, Brian. Thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you. Let's send it back upstairs to you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Rossi. We'll get you all set to become uh, or to do the uh, public address announcing. And right now, we're looking at the two teams warm up. The USA, they're wearing their bright yellow jerseys. And the Team Canada, they're we're wearing black. They're looking sharp. These are new jerseys I haven't seen before. And uh, they actually have the Ottawa 67s logo on it as well. So both teams just getting ready to warm up. We're about two minutes away from uh, puck drop, it looks like. And uh, both teams looking like uh, they're ready to go. I mean, Nico was talking about how he was carving up with his uh, ravioli. Looks like these guys have had their fair share of ravioli <laughs> uh, as, as they're zipping and zooming around the ice here. Um, and uh, Dave, I want to get your your thoughts. I mean, this is just the warm-ups. Any uh, like this is completely different, probably than what you expected or what you experienced back in uh, 2012. Oh, absolutely. The uh, just the feeling in the arena is a lot different. You can tell there's a, a much more uh, professional attitude going on here. Back in 2012, it was still uh, it was still a bit more of a casual experience. I mean, the, the players were working hard who came to, who came to play, but uh, you can tell already there's there's an intensity as the players took the ice. Uh, you can definitely see a lot of the USA players that are right now running the old banana drill. The old yep. passes to the middle of the ice to uh, to work on that hand-eye coordination to get the day started, and it looks like they're uh, very, very fired up and ready to play. Canada's getting looks like they're getting limbered up and getting loose. Definitely, you can feel that intensity in the arena right now, and you know that we're uh, getting very close to puck drop. And uh, they got the music going here on the PA system as well. We're just really feeling the feeling the vibe in here right now, Jeff. And like you said about the, the yellow uniforms, the yellow uniforms really do pop. Even do. for even for a low vision guy like me, I'm loving the way they look on the ice right now. They do look sharp. I'm always a fan of the yellow. I'm colorblind myself, and I could always see the yellow. Um, and, and that was always easy for me to uh, differentiate. As you know, sometimes when I, even when I'm playing hockey, you know, red and green. Uh, if, if, if they're together, I can't really tell the difference. Yeah, so it's yeah. nice to have a real distinct difference here with the darkness of Team Canada and uh, the highlighter yellow, essentially, of the Team USA. Hey, Jeff, you know, we, we've uh, we've had a chance to, to sort of take in a couple different tournaments over the years, uh, the both of us. And what do you think about maybe jitters here? You and Nico both mentioned that we're talking about teams that are assembled of players that are coming from all over the place, different regions in the case of both countries. Do you think there's any going to be nerves or jitters here I don't early know. in the game? You know, I don't think so. I feel like that both these teams have sort of grown together and we talked about the turnover the players you know there's some new players or some players that are no longer on the team but I feel like for the most part a lot of these guys have sort of grown together even though they come from literally across the country from Montreal to Vancouver to Halifax to Toronto uh, literally all over the country, they may not play with their with their hometown teams together, but they sure come in, in what Niku was talking about. They train together quite often, mm-hmm. especially in the summer. They, they, they get together every couple of months, and, and they really train. And I think they've formed that bond, and I think with that bond, um, I think that would calm a lot of nerves. They've got some good veteran players. They've got some younger players. But I, I think for both of these teams especially, that I don't think nerves are really going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I don't think we'll see nerves per se. I think you'll see uh, energy, right? The guys mm-hmm. will be really raring to go. 
You may see a couple of quick penalties off the hop, too, because both teams like to play physical. I do want to acknowledge that the Ottawa 67s let Team Canada wear their warm-up jerseys for the yeah, warm-up, which is a really nice gesture. I thought that was super cool. And now Team Canada have changed into their home black jerseys. So. Yeah, so, I mean, they're going to stay in their black jerseys, and they're going to uh, have the yellow jerseys for Team USA. But for now, we're going to go down to PA announcer Mike Ross. Welcome to the 2019 Canadian Blind Hockey Eastern Regional Blind Hockey Tournament. Presented by AMI Accessible Media Inc. And brought to you by the CNIB Foundation. The 2019 Eastern Regionals are made possible by our partners. The Daniel Family Foundation, Electra Health, Mannion, the Ottawa 67s and OSEG Foundation, TD Canada Trust and Parasport TV. Thank you to our sponsors and partners. This afternoon's opening matchup features Team Canada and Team USA competing in the second ever International Blind Hockey Ice Series. <laughs> Introducing first, wearing the yellow jerseys, the visitors, Team USA. Number 22, assistant captain, Daniel Belding. Number five, assistant captain, Kevin Brown. Number 19, Anthony Chesro. Number 17, Mark DeFlorio. Number one, Doug Goist. Number 15, Keith Haley. Number seven, team captain, Tim Kane. Number 20, Nick Callian. Number 21, David Clank. Number 9, Jeff Martin. Number 35, Andrew Mead Colgrove. Number 11, Luke Miller. Number 10, Charlie Mitchell. Number 8, Dirk Morgan. Number four, Daniel Schramm. And number 24, Blake Stunica. Team USA coaching staff, Michael Spatch, head coach. Nick Albacoco, assistant coach. Klein Donnelly, assistant coach. And Doris Donnelly, general manager. Support staff, Dr. Robert Chun. Ian Essling and Melissa Komalargan. And now introducing the home team in the black jerseys, your 2019-2020 Canadian National Blind Hockey Team. Number 17, Francois Beauregard. Number 37, Julien Blais. Number 64, Anthony Chula. Number 5, Joseph Del Grande. Number 9, Mark DeMontis. Number 93, Joe Fornager. Number 89, Wyatt Harvey. Number 66, Kiefer Jones. 
Number 27, Tristan Lindbergh. Number 97, Alex Angus McKechn. Number 22, Kelly Serbu. Number 58, Thomas Raymond. Number 19, Simon Richard. Number 87, Scott Roberts. And number 91, Jason Yuha. And in goal, number 33, Joey Cabral. And number 30, Lauren Weber. Your head coach, Paul Karens. Assistant coaches, Joe McCallion and Jeff Street. Goaltending coach, Joey Ali. And your director of hockey operations, Luca DeMontis. At this time, we would like to invite Andy Frank from our presenting partner, AMI Accessible Media Inc., Dwayne Morgan from our national program partner, CNIB Foundation, and Matt Morrow from the International Blind Ice Hockey Federation to come to center ice to participate in our ceremonial puck drop. Joining Andy and Dwayne and Matt today for the puck drop is Hockey Hall of Famer, coaching legend, Brian Kilray. Would Team Canada captain Kelly Serbu and USA Blind Hockey captain Tim Kane please come to center ice for our ceremonial face-off. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise if you're able to, remove your hats, and turn and face away from the benches towards the flags as we hear our national anthems, sung today by Maya Serbu.
anthems are done. The players are heading back to the bench as they put their helmets on and as they roll up the carpet here. We are just moments away from the first ever on Canadian home turf. Home, I would say soil, home ice, I guess you could say. <laughs> home ice <laughs> for Team Canada versus Team USA in the 2019 Eastern Regional Tournament. Nico, these guys are ready. I, I was watching them come out. Yeah. They were they were literally watching the Zamboni for probably ten minutes. That's how amped up they are. You know the focus. You can you can feel it. These both of these teams. There's almost a little bit of uh, tension, a little bit of energy. You can feel that they're just ramped up, ready to go here. And yeah, absolutely. During the anthems, both teams super focused. You know that they're just really raring to go for that opening puck drop should be one heck of a game here as it looks like we've got Lauren Weber getting the start in goal in this one for Team Canada and Doug Goist will be the starting goaltender for Team USA it looks good as both teams are currently huddled around their benches getting the last minute pep talk from their coaches Team USA doing a little chant before we get to the center ice here and they're sending out their top line Team Canada is finishing up, putting on their helmets. The referees signaling that they are ready for the face-off. And, and just to go over a, a quick couple of the rules here is that the nets are, what, three foot? They're about three feet high and, and traditional standard length. And the puck is about the size of, a, I'd say, a dinner plate. Yeah, yeah, and it's a good comparison. Probably about the size of a dinner plate. And they have ball bearings in it, which you could probably pick up on our audio feed just in the background. Uh, they probably have about 10 ball bearings in there, which makes it to be uh, really loud. So uh, if you hear that rattling in the background, it is not somebody shaking uh, <laughs> uh, a tambourine. It is literally the puck as we are ready to go here. And we're underway with Kelly Serbu winning the opening faceoff against Tim Kane. Team Canada wearing the black jerseys with some white and red trim as Mark DeMontis tries to wrestle a shot. But Team USA collapse down in the yellow jerseys and make a good defensive stop. DeMontis out of the corner, centers in front, shot right on, turned away by Goyce as it was Thomas Raymond, one of the rookies, getting the early chance there for Team Canada as Team USA clear the puck out across center ice. And another, uh, another different rule from traditional ice hockey to blind ice hockey is the little buzzer that the yes. referees have. You have to make one pass once you cross over the, the, the blue line before you actually take a shot on net. That signals the goalie that, okay, the puck is in your zone. They've made one pass. Expect a shot basically at any time. And there is a centering pass to Jason Yuha. Yuha! Team Canada take an early one nothing lead. Brilliant passing through the slot, and what a finish by Yuha. Very familiar name for those who have been following Team Canada for about the past year or two. Jason Yuha, one of the most skilled players on the Canadian team, and quite possibly in the world for that matter. Uh, just accepts a nice little dish out front, dipsy doodles, and, and finds it over the uh, blocker of Team USA's goalie for the early 1-0 lead. Want to note how quick Canada made a, made a line change there as well, getting fresh legs on the ice. 
Yeah, Team Canada will be looking to rotate the lines and keep fresh legs out there, as Dave just mentioned. It. Funny that you mentioned, Jeff, we call him the best blind hockey player in the world that we've found so far. We think there may be a better one out there. And as we spread the sport, we hope to find more Jason Uhas. But what a great goal for Uha to open up the scoring. Team Canada, double it all. What a beauty. A bar down snipe from Simone Richard. And it's 2-0 Team Canada. Really early lead here. I wouldn't be surprised if Team USA tries to huddle up really quickly and try to regroup. What a snipe by Richard as he walks in on the right side and goes high glove side, says, how you doing? And it's right just like that. Not even two minutes into the game and it's already 2-0. So a dream start for Team Canada so far as they lead this game 2-0 and they're working for more across the line. Julien Blais has it wrestled away from him, but Wyatt Harvey picks up the loose puck. Harvey stick handles around Kane as he brings it into the American zone. Dumps it deep into the corner as Trula digs it out front, but that's intercepted. Some good defensive work as Dirk Morgan makes the interception for Team USA. Second centering a pass. They tried pick out for Nazir, but that's held in at the line. Nice job by Team Canada to hold the zone as Anthony Trula works it from behind the goal. Tries the wraparound, but Gois gets the pad against the post to make a big stop for the Americans. Boy, Team Canada is flying out there right now. I think they've probably controlled 90% of the puck possession here and it's basically been in Team USA's zone for the entirety of play so far and uh, they, they really came out flying. We'll remind fans tuning in through the YouTube stream to let us know who you're cheering on, where you're tuning in from. We're already getting a ton of great viewer comments. We'll get to some shout-outs throughout the broadcast. As Alex Angus McKechn chopped in front, Goist makes the save as it got tied up along the near post, and it all started with that shot from the point from Amac. It was a nice clean draw right back the defenseman. And uh, he took a nice, easy shot on that, and it was sort of fluttering there, sort of did a little bit of a knuckle puck, and uh, almost actually found uh, the back of the net as it was just sitting there in front of the net, and then ref called a nice whistle. Face off outside the zone. Team Canada quickly chop it back in. DeMontis hustling after it. Makes the pass over to Raymond. He drops it back to DeMontis in the corner. Checking his options. Feeds it down low. Serbu tries to walk his way in front, but he got met there by two Americans, including Kevin Brown, who helped step up to make the defensive play. Relentless Ser forechecking here by Team US or Team Canada. And As Kelly Serbu gets a goal to make it 3-0. Captain Canada finds the back of the net and with 9.08 here still in the first period it's 3-0 Team Canada right on cue as I was saying great forecheck by Team Canada and just like that they find the back of the net once more 3-0 so far and we're not even 3 minutes into this game Jeff you mentioned the forecheck there Mark DeMontis was just flying into the corners really the aggressive too yeah. Yeah, DeMontis key on that play. You'd think he'll draw an assist there from the sequence, but as Dave mentioned, he was really the stir that stirred the drink on that sequence, keeping it in play out of the corner, and then moments later, it's in the back of the net. As Team Canada looking for more, centered out front, intended for Joseph Del Grande. He bangs away at it. 
Simone Richard takes the shot. It was actually Yuha who let the shot go, receiving the pass from Richard. Back to the point. As that shot from Tristan Lindbergh, that sails over top the goal. Yuha receives the pass. Dirk Morgan dives down to block the shot. Out the near side of the net, stepping in to lift the stick. That time as the Americans trying to clear it out. Goist makes the save. It was DeFlorio with the stick lift. Team Canada work it over to the far corner as they try get a centering pass out of it. Yuha working his way off the half wall, steps out front. His shot gets blocked as Team USA have all five yellow jerseys below the hash marks trying to support the goaltender. Puck cleared to the boards, but not out. As through the low slot, the shot right on that just sailed wide. Good pressure here from Team Canada as DeFlorio tries to dig it out along the boards. Morgan kicks it. Lindbergh pinches in from the point, centers it out front, and that's over to the far hash marks. As it's secured here by Charlie Mitchell for Team USA. Mitchell at the end of a shift, he'll just dump that one in and grab a change. As here goes the smooth skating Tristan Lindbergh, rookie defenseman from Edmonton, passes ahead for Chula, second chance, and they bank it home on the rebound. Oh, brilliant tap home. Great sequence led by Lindbergh and Chula as it got finished off by, I think that's Fornazier, as he's a little slow to get up out of the pile. And it is the whiz kid, the flash, Joe Fernazier makes it 4-0 Team Canada. What a play by the rookie smooth skating defenseman Lindbergh as he goes basically coast to coast, develops the play from the right side, fires it, comes back out front, and Fernazier buries it home for the 4-0 lead. You know, I've got a special nickname I'm waiting to debut for Tristan Lindbergh. I think it's very fitting for us being here in Ottawa, but i got to wait for him to make a stellar defensive play before I bring it out. All so. right, I look forward to hearing that. I'm sure we'll hear it at some point today. I'm kind of curious. Well, we I'm already, really curious. We already saw the speedy counterattack there. Just in, in one moment where the United States team was exhaling to get a line change, Lindbergh just took off down the right side. Yeah, Team USA was basically trying to clear the zone, and he just took it and went end-to-end. You know, the first, Impressive play. the first chance I got to see Tristan in person was at the National Team Summer Camp uh, in July. And from the first moment he hit the ice, you could tell, man, this guy is a player, and he's something special. And we're certain Team Canada certainly excited to have them on the squad. This is the first time I've witnessed him in in person at a tournament. And the first player that is coming to my mind with his smooth skating because he looks like a pretty tall guy. Yes, he is. He's a pretty tall guy. And uh, he almost reminds me of like a Victor Hedman-like guy. <laughs> Very smooth skating, made a solid defensive play, took it coast to coast and uh, generated a goal out of it. I think he would take that comparison as Chula passes it back to Lindbergh. He lets the shot go. It's blocked. Second chance. They try bank at home, but Goist makes the save. Lindbergh steps up to the hash mark, pitches it out front. Raymond takes a one-timer, but it's blocked into the far corner. Chula, checking his options, plays it to the top of the point as Wyatt Harvey lets the shot go. It's wide of the goal, but picked up by Thomas Raymond. Thomas Raymond plays it down low as Tim Kane gets their first for Team USA. David Clank unable to clear the zone on the second effort as it's held in by Serbu. Del Grande pitches it back to Lindbergh, who goes deep into the corner. 
Raymond over to the far side. Serbu has it off of his stick, and Steinica gets it to the line, but held in by Harvey. So Team Canada keep the pressure on as Kevin Brown picks it out. It's over to Kelly Serbu. Tim Kane wrestles it away as the two captains go head-to-head. Tama Raymond makes a good play to keep the puck in along the blue line as Del Grande chases over to the near corner, flips it. Raymond with the one-timer after being teed up from Serbu, but it goes wide. Steinica trying to pressure Harvey for the clearance. Harvey holds it in, feeds it through the high slot for Raymond. Backhanded to the near side. Del Grande tries to bank it in, but that gets blocked. David Clank tries to bank it off the boards. I should have said Clank clanks it off the boards. As there's a backhander from the high slot, and Serbu finds the back of the net. A bit of discussion here about whether there was a pass buzzer or not, but that goal's going to stand, and it's 5-0 Team Canada. It almost looked like Team Canada was going for a brief line change when Kelly was just trying to, I guess, waste a little bit of time, generate some time for his teammates to come help him in the, in the offensive zone. And I think he was more so just trying to dump the puck, and it took a couple of weird bounces and it found its way to the back of the net. The American team doing a good job collapsing to the net, but Canada is just funneling players to the slot over and over and over again. So far in this game, Canada just looks like the faster team. They're getting to those pucks in the corners faster, and they're just able to generate that offense just at a bit of a quicker pace. I wonder if they can keep this up because they're flying around out there. Centering pass from Muha. That gets blocked by Goist and then whistled down by the officials with the puck laying in the blue ice. You know, Jeff, both of these teams have gotten younger and faster but yes you're right right now it certainly seems like Canada with a bit of an upper hand here as they lead this game five to nothing yeah the pace is a uh, very impressive uh, Nico you're seeing that uh, Canada has a little bit of a shorter bench so you do wonder if the course of three games in three days if maybe those legs are going to get a bit tired here Four and a half minutes remaining in the first period of play. Team Canada leading 5-0 over Team USA, but here come the Americans as trying to center that one was Daniel Schramm. It's knocked away from him and out through center ice where Dirk Morgan picks up the puck. Chesro has it picked up by his teammate Schramm who tries to feed it ahead. That's broken up by Lindbergh as the defenseman pinching up, skates through the slot, pass to the far side as they try to get the jam home play. It's back to Lindbergh. He plays it down low for Jason Uha. His wraparound chance stop. Mark DeMontis crashes the net but it's blocked by Dirk Morgan. Out of the corner, Simone Richard checking his options. Spins away from the check of Chesro. Takes it down low behind the goal against Morgan. De- uh, DeMontis back to Richard as he tries to work the near side but it's saved by the goaltender Goist and Whistled down by the referees with 3.35 to go in the first period. Surprise, surprise. Look who's on the forecheck. Mark DeMont is throwing out his body, getting in on the forecheck first. And uh, it, again, Team Canada this has been totally dominating the first period here so far in the offensive zone. I don't think it's really cleared past half, uh, really, except for that one time where Team USA was literally trying to change and then Lindbergh took it end to end. Lindbergh takes a shot from the point. It's off the post and then a quick whistle by the refs. So we'll get another offensive zone draw and a chance for me to acknowledge some of our incredible comments online. And let's give a special shout out to Andre Kusak, who's cheering on Team Canada, but he's watching from the Czech Republic. And hey, maybe that's the next country we have to bring blind hockey to is the Czech Republic. There we go. Czech Republic. Got to get Slovakia in there. Russia's already on board. Maybe Sweden could be next. We have Australia. Australia now 
Australia making their way to the blind hockey community. England, Finland, the list just keeps growing. I love it. Give it, me more. It is exciting maybe, times right maybe now. Maybe Italy. Blind hockey. Yes, definitely. I tell you, it's my personal mission. <laughs> <laughs> As Anthony Chula feeds it back to Tristan Lindbergh. Oh, what a save by Goises. Lindbergh nearly got his first international goal. I'm but telling you. I'm <laughs> telling you. Victor Hedman back there. <laughs> if he scores, I'll bust out the nickname, all right? <laughs> all right. Here goes Chula working his way off the half wall. Stick handling. Shot right on. Oh! Choo, choo, Chula. Anthony Chula with some brilliant individual skill. And it's 6-0 Team Canada. Anthony Chula just picking it up off the boards, doing a little bit of dangling action, makes his way back out front and pops it over the goalie's pads. And 6-0 already in the first period for Team Canada. Certainly not the start Team USA would have wanted, but they are a tough, gritty team, and you can expect them to rebound here as they may not necessarily be able to muster six goals, but they're not going to quit by any means. As here, Tim Kane picks up the loose puck. He's looking for an option as he cycles wide away from his counterpart captain Kelly Serbu the shot from the point as Weber has yet to make a save that shot didn't quite make it to the net there's the buzzer for the good clean pass as Schramm tries to work it out front but puck out across the blue line where Dirk Morgan quickly flips it back in Canada cleared across center ice as Kane tries to wrestle it away from Serbu loose puck as Kelly Serbu chasing after it and he gets there just ahead of Schramm Serbu behind the goal, checking his centering options. Cycles and his pass intended for Raymond, broken up by Chesro. Anthony Chesro, a really great story for fans who remember when Team USA came up to Toronto at the last Nationals in March. He ended up sustaining a serious injury in the first game of that tournament and had to leave. He was never able to return to action. He missed significant time coming back from that injury, but Chesro has worked so hard off the ice, and he's proud to be back here wearing the American jersey. As Dirk Morgan brings the puck in, but he gets stood up at the line by Jason Uha. Daniel Belding, the Team USA Disabled Player of the Year, sends the puck in deep inside the Canadian zone, but quickly Lindbergh digs it out. Jeff Martin for Team USA. The Colorado native gets it back, but Lindbergh able to cycle around the far side, and now some room for Tristan Lindbergh to skate. He's got you all with him. Tape to tape pass. Oh, what a goal! of defense who set that one up. Tristan Lindbergh with the coast-to-coast -coast rush. A brilliant pass and Yuha finishes it off to make it 7-0. I think Dave Brown said it best. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the speed with which that counterattack went down. I mean, that was the blink of an eye. They were through the neutral zone and had a three-on-two driving the American net. No chance for the goaltender. It's so advantageous to have a defenseman with the skating capability of the Minister of the Defense. <laughs> I mean, he literally went end-to-end -end in like 2.5 seconds, I think it was. But what a team, wait, what a duo that could be with Lindbergh on defense and Yuha able just to burst up there. Perfectly placed pass, easy tap and goal. That's exactly, from a coaching perspective, 
that's exactly what you want from your defenseman and exactly what you want from your star forward as well. So uh, good job on Team Canada forming that chemistry already. There's a sharp angle shot turned away by Goyce. The rebound over to Yuha. He cycles out near the blue line and tries to feed it down low, but that's broken up by Tim Kane. Knocked down by Yuha as he takes it behind the goal. Tries to center out front. Yuha then did a nice little toe drag to the near side, but that got sniffed out and held for the whistle as Team USA trying to weather the storm here with under 10 seconds left in the period. You know what? It's not all bad for Team USA. It looks no. like they're starting to come to life later in this period here. We saw Tim Kane. If, if they're going to get it going, they have to get Tim Kane going, their captain as well. Uh, but in one of Kane's last shifts, they actually had a cycle going in Team Canada's zone. So, I mean, there are some positives stemming from uh, Team USA's play here. Well, we're moments away from heading into the first period break as that shot from distance tracks wide of the near post. And the buzzer sounds to end the opening 20 minutes. And it was a dominating 20 minutes for Team Canada as after the first period of play, it is Team Canada 7, Team USA 0. As you're tuned into the 2019 International Blind Hockey Series, the first of three games here at the 2019 Eastern Regional Blind Hockey Tournament presented by Canadian Blind Hockey. So we'll take a break. And yeah, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and I think we'll uh, probably get Matt Morrow on the air for a quick interview if he's up for it. Maybe Luca DeMontis, the director of Hockey Ops. But in the meantime, we'll step away for a quick break as it's Team Canada 7, Team USA 0. You're tuned in on AMI-audio. Welcome back to beautiful Ottawa, right from the TD Place for the 2019 Eastern Regional Blind Hockey Tournament featuring Canada versus USA. So far after the first period of play, 7-0 for Team Canada. And we're going to go down to one of our rinkside reporters, Mike Ross. You were down there taking it all in. What'd you see? What'd you like? Well, I mean... It Absolute dominance for Team Canada. The puck was basically in the U.S. zone for that entire period. We're playing 12-minute period, stop time. And over that first 12 minutes of play, Canada didn't, did not go more than about two and a half minutes without scoring a goal. I mean, that was absolute dominance. Uh, they opened the scoring a minute and two seconds into the game. Jason Yuha uh, getting his uh, first goal of the game. Simon Richard assisting on that one. And then at 135, Richard nets his first of the game. Yuha returning the favor along with Scott Roberts on the assist. Kelly Serbu got in on the action at 2.52 of period number one, scoring his first. It was unassisted. Then it was Joe Fornasier at 4.34 from Anthony Chula and Tristan Lindbergh. And at uh, seven minutes of period number one, another unassisted marker. This one from Kelly Serbu, his second unassisted goal of the period. Anthony Chula then getting in the goal column at 9-10 of the first period, scoring his first, assisted by Mark DeMontis, and then Jason Yuha. He opened the scoring in that period. He closed the scoring in that period at the 11-minute mark. Tristan Lindbergh with another assist there, and Wyatt Harvey getting on the scoreboard as well. So an absolutely dominating performance by Team Canada in that first period. A 7-0 lead going into the second. 
Thank you so much, Mike. We'll hear from you again, I'm sure, throughout the game and also in the second intermission. I want to welcome back Nico Cardarelli, who's been doing the play-by-play. -play. And, of course, we also have a special guest here, Luca DeMontis, who's the GM and executive director. Did I get that right of Team Canada? Yeah, somewhat pretty correct. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good, so we'll go with it, right? Yeah, let's Why go not? That. Uh, What did you like from this first period? What did you like from your team? Aside from the score? Yeah. Um, you know what? Like I said, like th this team was put together this summer, but they gelled so quick, right? So to see the camaraderie, to see the brotherhood, for one another and you know there's two guys that are out of the lineup today right we have two healthy scratches just because we decided to go with a bigger team this year and to see those guys wearing their jerseys still right next to the bench being a part of this all this is a family this isn't a team right and i said that last year i'll say it again it might sound like a broken record but we thought we were building a team instead we grew a family and i i can't help but notice like literally players from across the country and you're talking about them just gelling like that um, hey, this is Canada's team. Canada, get up, get behind these boys. Well, like, they love this game they're playing, right? So when you love what you're doing, you're going to really put everything you got into it. Absolutely. And you also were just telling me moments ago that you've been getting videos from NHL players yeah. about this specific game and, and just, I guess, the sport in general, which is pretty cool. Yeah, like we've got a, a great, great support staff. And, you know, like I'll share a little bit of this, but... It's tough, you know, there's nerves, right? There's emotions. And if there wasn't, I don't think you're human, right? But uh, breakfast this morning was a little quiet. You could tell the nerves were there and some of the emotions. And then I just came in, I, I made a little joke and some guys started laughing and then a couple other guys started laughing. And then they asked, what am I doing? And I said, you know what, everybody gather around me. And they all gathered close and you know what, um, Brad Marchant is an incredible individual. In my mind, he's the best player in the NHL right now. So when you got a guy of that stature, that personality sends you a video telling the boys good luck canada's behind you i'm watching it's all of a sudden to change the whole dynamic of the room and everybody yeah. was up they were talking they were mingling they were excited and they were ready to play you know luca i i want to elaborate a little bit on that point because we talked about it in the pregame and the work you and matt are doing you know it these connections these quality people that are starting to get behind the sport it's not an accident. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what it is that you guys do to make these inroads with an organization like the 67s or at the NHL level, how, you know, just spreading the word of the sport? It's a great question, Nico, and, and I, I don't even really have an answer for it, to be honest. Um, You're hustling. Yeah, I guess we're hustling. But at the same point, you know, we have 17 players on this team, yeah. but we have 17 ambassadors in this country. Right. So when we have partnerships with the 67s and we're meeting with other players like Victor Mete sending in videos and Brad Marchand and Robbie DeMontis, Michael Del Cole, the list goes on. These guys just feed off this energy. You know, the NHL is really saying hockey is for everyone. We are proving it this weekend. Right. It doesn't matter about your disability. And you know what? A, a, a famous goalie in Canada, Paul Rosen, came to our training camp and he's a Paralympic gold medalist, goalie for the Canada Sledge team. And he said to us, don't let your disability be your disability let your disability be your ability and that really stuck with a lot of these guys right so they're amped they're ready they're pumped and i think the biggest thing is we want to continue to build relationships in the smallest towns in canada and in the biggest cities and i think why that does is you never know where the next jason yuha is you never know where the next kelly server is yeah. but by creating these programs for the youth like we have i feel those kids are out there we're going to find them because, hey, 
Kelly's looking good tonight, but, you know, he's not going to be here forever. So we need to start grooming the, the next wave. And, you know, I'm extremely excited to announce right now that coming up, starting January 2020, we will be hosting in partnership with Osheg Foundation and the Ottawa 67s a brand new youth children program for blind hockey here in Ottawa at the nation's capital. That's amazing. And I almost want to ask you about what's the reception been like when you've been chatting with these hockey clubs, the 67s, when you talk with NHL teams, um, are they, I mean, the, the, the sport has grown tremendously over the past couple of years. Are they aware of blind hockey or is this still kind of new to them? You know, they're not aware, right? And I think by creating events like this and by partnering with the 67s and O'Shea, and other NHL players, I think more people are becoming aware of it, right? It, I, I wasn't aware of it until I got involved 10 years ago, right? Yeah. And, and if I told you yeah. that blind hockey's been played in Canada since 1972, people would call me crazy, yeah. right? But it has been. And now, you know, as our community grows, the brand grows. And I'm not just talking about Canadian blind hockey. I'm also talking about USA blind hockey. I'm talking about the sport of blind hockey. I'm extremely honored and excited for the role that I have, the role that Matt has. You know, we're a great team, but... It, it doesn't just happen with us. We've got incredible sponsors, incredible corporate partners, and I think those guys deserve a lot of this respect because if it wasn't for them, none of this would have been able to happen. And we know that, obviously, in Canada, it's it's really, really growing. Uh, it's, it's obviously a growing sport. And how closely do you work with your counterparts with USA? We just heard Russia is getting in. Obviously, Finland and England. And then Nico mentioned that Australia is coming in. Do you, do you have fluent conversations with these guys as well? Well, not really with Russia, because I can't speak Russian. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? Like, USA, they're great. They hosted us in Pittsburgh, and it was an honor to host them here this weekend. And without them, none of this is possible. You can't play Canada versus Canada. We can, but... <laughs> It's not going to grow not the as sport. Enticing, yeah. yeah, it's not going to grow the sport, yeah. right? So USA, they're great. Um, both Mike and Doris, incredible individuals. I thank them so much. We've got a great working relationship with them. So uh, we're already planning the next one, and this hasn't even finished yet. This tournament, yeah. so we're already planning the next one. I'm not going to say what I any, tell you, Jeff. I'm not, I'm not giving any secrets about where we're going, what's <laughs> happening there. You're going to have to follow that us for that. Um, but you know what I said? Anytime Canada takes on USA. If it's men's hockey, women's hockey, sledge men, sledge women's, people start to gather some interest. Yeah. Right? People want to know what's going on out there. What's There's already that the rivalry side? there. Yeah. And it's funny because we never built that rivalry. Right? That rivalry has been built from the past. Like last night we had a welcome dinner with both teams. We um, intermingled with every table had Canada players and USA players. And aside from this, like... They're all ambassadors of this sport, right? They all share the same love for this game. But more importantly, they all share the same disability. And that disability, they have time to talk about it. They know what each other's going through because they've gone through the same problems in life, right? So we're really building a community. We're growing a family. But this is more for the future. This is the sport of blind hockey, a sport that I love, a sport that I encourage you all to get involved with. And it doesn't matter where you're from in this country. If you love hockey, you're going to love blind hockey. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot. Uh-oh. Ottawa's now. <laughs> Where's the next city? Where, where are you trying to grow the uh, the rest of the, the sport of blind hockey in Canada? In Canada? We're going to go from Mabu, <laughs> Cape Breton, all the way out to Victoria, B.C. You know what I mean? We're going coast to coast. We're called Canadian Blind Hockey for a reason. So if you're in Canada... You're born and raised, you just moved here, and you're blind or partially sighted, and you want to play this wonderful game, 
definitely reach out to us, www.canadianblindhockey.com. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Games are live on YouTube right now. You guys are doing incredible. My phone's blowing up, right? I've got guys texting me that I don't even know how they got my number, and they're putting their name in the text, and I'm like, wow, right? I feel like I have to delete that after because if I lose my phone, something could happen, right? But um, it's definitely growing, and I'm proud of every single person in this community. It doesn't matter if you're on the Canadian National Blind Hockey Team, if you're in the Open Division, if you're part of the GTA Youth Program, we're honored to have you in our family. Well, it's awesome to have you here. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the game. You're doing a great thing, obviously growing the sport, not only in Canada, but clearly world, worldwide as well. So uh, I, I want to say sit back and relax, but I'm not sure yeah, if, uh, it's if kind that's of hard really possible if you're relax. the executive director. I, I've, been, I've been pacing up and forth in the box up here, so it's, uh, it's good. But I'm excited. And, uh, guys, thank you very much. I'll get uh, the show on the road here. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Lucas. We've got the second period underway. Team USA bringing the puck in for an early chance, but the centering pass just goes wide into the far corner. And now Team Canada tried cleared out, but it's held in. Nice work by Chesro. He digs it loose for Kane. Chesro trying to dance his way in front. Shot right on, and they score! Team USA are on the board, and it's Anthony Chesro who finds the back of the net for the Americans. Nice. Nice play. Sorry to cut you off there, Nika, but a nice play by Team USA. This is exactly the start to the period that they wanted. I mean, going down 7-0 in the first is hard. And I'm sure their coaches were telling them throughout that intermission is that this game is not over. There's still two periods of play left to go. And if you go out there and play your hardest right from the get-go, which is which they what they just did, um, it's not over yet. I mean, they, they, there's still plenty of time. And it looks like they're buzzing again. They've got possession in, in Team Canada's uh, zone. And it looks like they, they're, a, they're a completely different team. I know it's really early still in this period, but they, they do look like they have some sort of spark under them right now. A great start to the period for Team USA. As Mike Ross mentioned, two, uh, three 12-minute periods, and they score that goal less than 40 seconds into the second period to make a statement. Team USA trying to battle back here after going down 7 nothing in the first period, but they get the opening goal here in the second thanks to Anthony Chesro. We're getting some great comments on our live chat thread as well. One particular caught my eye as we've got a viewer from Portugal tuning in as well today. So, well, let's obrigado. Them, Thank let's, you. Let's get them on board. Let's get, let's, let's have a, a, hey, we got to be careful because Joey Cabral, who's one of the goaltenders for Team Canada, is Portuguese. That's his background. So, we don't want to lose our goalie to Portugal. But no, we're not yes, we lose. do need to. We need to get the program going there as well. <laughs> Of course, Joey, proud to be part of Team Canada as Team USA get called for an icing here. As Lauren Weber, the goaltender right now for Team Canada, we've got a nice close-up there of the Edmonton native. Like I mentioned, Team USA, they look like a completely different team only a minute and a half into the second period. It looks like whatever the coaches said to them is, is, is clearly working, and now uh, they've got their captain out there, Tim Kane, taking the face off. Let's see if he can spark something for them. Team USA get the puck to the line and across where it's picked up by Tristan Lindbergh. He plays it ahead for Anthony Chula, knocked off his stick, so Lindbergh goes to the far side for Julien Blais. Blais got an option in for Nazir, tried the one-timer but missed on the connection. Chula out of the near corner, checking his centering options. He's shielded by Kane. As Kane hauls him down, nothing doing. Play continuing on with Team USA taking possession. As... 
Schramm plays the puck ahead. It's just out of the reach of Chesro. On the delayed offside, Team USA will have a chance to break out once again. The Americans work it up the near side as Charlie Mitchell tries to play it over to Tim Kane. That's broken up, and the loose puck picked up by Fornazier. He's already got one in this game. Fornazier brings it in, shot right on, but no clean pass, so that'll get whistled down, and a face-off with 9.43 left in the period. And there was a perfect example of not hearing the buzzer and therefore the shot on net. For those of you watching at home thinking, hey, what's going on? Why, why didn't that count? Why are they just whistling dead? It's because uh, he crossed over the blue line. There was no one clean pass and, and therefore uh, a stoppage in play. All right, I'm going to try some rapid fire here. Shoutouts to Blaine Deutscher, Gene Rage, Dave Poitavin, Jillian Stewart, Joe Flanagan, Annette Don McTavish, Steven Strazzi, Benoit Hul, and so many more. Thank you for tuning in as Kelly Serbu's centering pass gets knocked away and whistled down for a faceoff. Again, almost a 2-1-1 there for Kelly Serbu and Team Canada. Uh, Team Canada, so not slouching themselves. Sometimes with a 7-0 lead, it's, it's kind of easy to take that back seat and, and sort of uh, kick back, but not really the case for Team Canada. An interesting face-off by Kelly Serbu, who just sort of <laughs> slaps it in over the line. Uh, kind of smart on behalf of uh, the team captain for Canada. I uh, did well to get the puck in deep, but quickly it's shot back out as Scott Roberts tries to make the play for Team Canada. His pass intended for Serbu, picked up by DeMontis, who fires it inside the American zone. Tomar Raymond, he crashes in there against the bulldozer, Daniel Belding, and the two get tied up behind the goal, and a penalty's going to come out of this as the referees separate them, and it's going to be Belding who goes to the box for roughing, but he doesn't like this call as he tries to plead his case to the officials. It started off with incidental contact directly (laughs) behind Team USA's goal, and it looked like Belding just had him pinned, and I don't think uh, the Team Canada player really wanted to go down. They sort of grappled with each other, and Belding literally picked him up. And and had the the Canadian player pretty much horizontal uh, I'll say, in the air. I'll say Thomas Raymond <laughs> deserves some credit there for a youngster. Belding is probably the toughest player on the ice. And Raymond, you're right, he did not shy away from that confrontation. And now Team Canada on the power play. So nice job by the defenseman to hold it in along the point. Lindbergh feeds it in for Yuha. He's checked closely as Team USA. Kevin Brown tries to keep him to the outside. Lindbergh from the top of the point. Back to Yuha. Toe drag around Kane. Dishes it down low as it's Simone Richard with the puck for Team Canada. Richard tries to feed it out front. That's broken up. Held in at the line temporarily. And then good second effort as Wyatt Harvey unable to keep it in. He was challenged there by Jeff Martin. Richard, his pass picked off by Kane. He'll dump that into the deep inside the Canadian zone as there's a minute 15 left on the power play and 8-10 left in the second period. Yuha receives the pass. Across center ice, he feeds it over to Richard. Drop back to Yuha. He's got Harvey pinching in from the point. Yuha cycles all the way down low behind the goal. Out to the point for Alex Angus McKechnie. His shot through traffic, and it's in! No, actually, no signal yet from the referees. The shot from the point seemed to have trickled past the goaltender, Goist. And Team USA... But no, it's saved! What a stop by Goist! Team USA waving it off even before the official call, and what a save. 
as that puck took a couple of bounces after the point shot by Angus McCacken and Team USA looks like they have a bit of a spark here as they're sort of containing Team Canada. And now it's 7-1, but Team USA definitely has that uh, spark underneath them. Well, we've had six goal leads in this sport evaporate in no time at all, so Team Canada certainly cannot take this six-goal lead for granted as Team USA tries to cycle out of their own zone. Schramm plays it off the boards. They can't quite clear it. 35 seconds remaining in the Team Canada power play. Schramm battling in the corner against Fornazier. It's Trula who comes up with the puck. Working his way off the half wall, Trula checking his options. Spins away from the pressure of Schramm. Opens up a lane, takes the shot. That's blocked. Rebound is sitting along the near side. Trula comes up with it. A couple of USA players crashing into each other as the shot from Blay kicked aside. It was actually Alex Angus McKechn with the shot as Steinica goes to receive, uh, retrieve his lost stick. Back to the point for Alex Angus McKechn. His shot gets blocked fearlessly by Schramm as the power play now over. In front, bank chances. That was Julian Blay right there for Team Canada, but he couldn't jam it past Doug Goist. It was funny because Morgan and... Uh and Blay were battling in front of the net, and it, it almost looked like Morgan had his stick like a goaltender. It's like he was the second goaltender, <laughs> then wrapped up Blay, and then they ended up dumping it. But a good penalty kill by Team USA. I think that's a, a, that's a, that's a po- another positive to take from uh, the te- this Team US, uh, as you know they're still down. But I mean, getting a penalty kill like that can really spark your team as well. Team USA have played much better here in the second period than the opening as it's Steinica who comes away with the loose puck. He scored the opening goal for Team USA in Pittsburgh, but this time they go in just offside with 6.34 remaining in the period. Good breakout from Team USA. It just just happened to go offside, but it looked like it was a pretty clean breakout. We'll see if they can do it again. Speaking of Pittsburgh, let's give a shout out to the Kittermans who are tuned in today and cheering on Team USA. Let us know who you're cheering on, where you're watching from. We'll get to a few more viewer shout outs as Tomar Raymond's pass gets picked off. And here goes David Clank. I Clank. like that play that Kelly Serbu uh, does off the faceoff where he sort of slaps it in and sort of lets the speed of Raymond just go and dump and chase type style. And as you see Raymond coming up the, the wing here, He's got the speed, and if Serbu can get that across the line fast enough, they have an easy two-on-one. We got a penalty coming up here against Team USA. It was for a hit on the end boards against Kelly Serbu, and it looks like David Clank is the guilty party. So Team Canada will go back to the power play with 6.04 remaining in the period. We get a great comment here from Chris Orr, who's cheering on Team USA from Maine. He says, you guys should be counting Dirk Morgan's blocked shots. He's an animal. I think he secretly wants to play goalie. (laughs) I seriously think that. Just the way he was in front of the net. He's a big body, but then... You know, Basically having two goalies, nothing's getting through there. One of my favorite storylines about both of these teams is the puck carrier for Team Canada, Alex Angus McKechn, is a lobster fisherman. Dirk Morgan for Team USA is a lobster fisherman. What are the odds of that? As Team Canada working the puck back to the point, Alex Angus McKechn, his shot, oh, needles its way through, and the big man from Mabu makes it 8-1 for Team Canada. Right on cue, speak of the devil right there. 
Well, he cast his line and it found the net. <laughs> that was all right. That's right? okay. <laughs> and Alec Angus McKechn makes it 8-1 for Team Canada. One fisherman gets the best of the other. <laughs> it's 8-1. So Team Canada answer back after Team USA had the only goal of this period. And the team's battling for possession in front of the Team USA bench. Jason Uha digs it loose as he brings it in along the boards. Tries the drop pass, but that's picked off as it's Dirk Morgan who clears it down the ice for Team USA. British Columbia native Scott Roberts, he flips it out across the neutral zone where Joseph Del Grande makes the pass ahead for Jason Yuha. Yuha tries the draw pass, that gets broken up. Let's give a big shout out to the Del Grande family back in Toronto who are watching and cheering on Joseph, wishing they could be here this weekend. As that shot from the Americans finds its way through Weber and Team USA get their second of the game. And it's Anthony Chesro with his second of the contest to close the gap back to six. It's kind of interesting how that rush started. There was incidental contact in the Canadian zone, which almost created a pick for Tim Kane to go down into the other into the other zone and uh, just a quick shot once they got over the blue line and it just so happened to find the back of the net. So Kane and Chesro continue to lead the way offensively for Team USA as they try chip away at the big lead for Team Canada. It's 8-2 to two as here goes Anthony Chula bringing the puck into the far corner. Chula plays it back to the point held in by Roberts. Check that, that's Harvey. Over to Lindbergh. His shot just goes wide in the near post. Chula digs it out front for Nazir fans on the first shot attempt and then the second chance for Blay goes wide. Lindbergh steps up to hold the line. Nice play there by the Minister of Defence as chasing after it is Charlie Mitchell. We're getting some good fan comments and support for Charlie. We'll get to a few of those in just a moment as Fornazier's shot gets turned away to Florio there defensively. Puck play back to the line where Lindbergh goes cross ice. Harvey tries to keep it away from the pressure coming as it was Luke Miller on the forecheck. Chula, he was looking for a penalty, nothing doing. Loose puck here picked up by Team USA. Charlie Mitchell skates it across center ice, feeds it into the far corner where Lindbergh gets it for the Canadians. Lindbergh skating out the far side. He's the lone black jersey. Now he's got some support in Chula. Lindbergh tries to center for Chula. Oh, and he finishes it off. What a brilliant goal. Choo, choo, Chula, his second of the game. What an incredible goal. It was basically a carbon copy of the, the goal that was scored in the first period where Lindbergh went from behind his own zone or behind his own net, carried it up, flew right past every single yellow defender. Easy two-on-one. Put it right out in front and an easy chip-in for Anthony Chula. So now 9-2 for Team Canada. Let's give a shout-out to Jimmy Conway as... The Pro Shop is watching back and cheering on Team USA and Charlie. Thanks for tuning in, guys, as that pass intended for DeMontis just out of his reach. We're getting great support from all across Canada, the USA, viewers from the Czech Republic and Portugal, really showing that this international blind hockey series is appealing to the whole world, and we look forward to the future growth of the sport on an international level. 
as Clank has it wrestled away by Kelly Serbu, the captain for Team Canada. Fires one right on, and it's a hat trick for Serbu with three minutes remaining in the second period. Canada go up 10 to 2. Nice grinder shift by the captain of Team Canada, Kelly Serbu, picking up the puck and just putting it on net. Pretty simple play, just put it on the net. It just sound, somehow found the back of the net. And now Canada going into the double digits. You know, those shots from distance where Serbu let that one fly, so tough for the goaltenders to track. Because really, when it's flying through the air like that, the puck not making a ton of sound. And again, the distance of that shot, nearly impossible for the goaltender to track. So Yeah, and, and speaking of that puck, I know they've, over the past couple of years, they've tried to change the puck, adapt the puck so that maybe it beeps constantly. Uh, we're still using the ball-bearing puck, but I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of years... Uh, if they start using a different puck. I remember talking to you, Nico. I mm. think it was at the last Canadian National Tournament where we had viewers tell us from, uh, I think it was St. Louis, yes, where, they right. were, where they were uh, trying out a new puck. Have you heard anything anywhere about any sort of new puck? So I know that uh, the Americans had a new puck. Is that goalmouth scramble frozen by Goist? Uh, and there was a little bit of... Um, I think some more work that needs to be done with that puck. One of the issues they found was durability. It wouldn't yeah. necessarily last the whole game. But there were a lot of positive comments as well. People really found the beeping easier to track. The puck not being as heavy and as hard when it hits you a little bit nicer. It kind of had a rubber finish on it, so it moves a little bit better as well. But, um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Over the next few years, we'll probably see more and more development go into the next evolution of the puck for sure. As we get a face-off coming here. And it looks like a medical time. Yeah, there's an issue on the Team USA bench. As we can't quite make out here who the player in question is. I think it might be Dirk Morgan, actually. And the EMS workers are on the Team USA bench having a look at... From what I can see, that appears to be Dirk Morgan... Getting checked out. So what I did notice after that last goal, I think he hit the boards ah. kind of awkwardly. Now we're just speculating here, but he's getting attended to by some of the medical staff. He's, he's still on the bench, so that is a good sign. We get a comment from one of our viewers, Blaine Deutscher. Asking where Kiefer Jones is. Well, Luca DeMontis mentioned there were two healthy scratches today for Team Canada. Kiefer Jones, one of the healthy scratches. The other, Francois Beauregard. But let's check in with Mike Ross down at ice level. Yeah, guys, it sounds like it's a, a separated shoulder, or at least a shoulder injury. One of the officials from Team USA came looking for the uh, medical staff, uh, and they were saying separated shoulders. So okay. we'll see if we get an update at some point soon, but uh, it looks like a... Definitely an upper body injury here. All right, just keep us posted, and uh, we'll get that information out to our listeners as soon as possible. We certainly hope it's nothing serious for Dirk Morgan, and we wish him a speedy recovery. Hope to see him back in action either today or later this weekend. 
Well, we're getting some great comments from all across both countries here. Let's give some shout-outs to Grand Prairie, Alberta, as they're cheering on Jason Uha. And I saw another one here. Team Canada and Simone Richard getting some love from New Brunswick as from the offensive zone draw. It is Richard who plays it down low to Yuha, thinking about a wraparound, but that lane gets cut off, so he plays it back to the top of the point. As it's fed down low for Del Grande, he takes a shot right on, and Goyce got just enough to deflect that over top the goal. Actually, check that. I believe that's Andrew Mead Colgrove in net right now for Team USA. So they must have made the change coming into the second period because I did not notice the change uh, at any point during the game. As here goes Lindbergh taking it down low. Centers in front and they try the bank home play. That's blocked. Down low to Lindbergh with a minute 35 left in the period. His shot redirected, but it's immediately waved off as arguing the point is Yuha saying, I didn't kick it, it just went off my foot. But the referee quickly waves it off, so no goal. It remains 10-2 for Team Canada with 1.31 left in the period. Shout-outs to Lisa cheering on Jason in Edmonton. And, of course, a big shout-out to Jason's nieces and nephews as well. We may or may not get another yee-haw, yoo-haw here today, but he's had a great game even if we don't get any more. As Here goes Chula cycling around with the puck, stripped away only for a moment as Chula gets it right back. Shrem providing the pressure there for Team USA as bodies crashing in front of the goal. Serbu, check that, was uh, Julian Blay who got tied up with Daniel Belding. Chesro, he can't handle the puck. It's taken away and... In offside, go Team Canada. Good so battle out front there as a couple of uh, players got tangled up. It looked like there was a stick in the foot of Julian Blay. And I think that's pretty much what put Team Canada offside as he was a little bit late coming out of the zone. Great crowd on hand here today at TD Place as a few hundred school kids. Not only do they get to watch some hockey, they get the day off school as well. That is a win-win in my books. And they're being treated to quite a game here. As Tomar Raymond, working his way behind the goal, tries to make the pass over to Serbu. He bounces off the first check. Shot. That one goes wide of the post as digging away for it is Steinica. And he's drawn a penalty here as DeMontis will get called for holding. And Team USA will get their first power play opportunity of the game. Call it a hold, call it a slash. Yeah. Basically, whatever you want. It looks like DeMontis was just a little bit too aggressive on that play. And uh, a good opportunity here for Team USA to go on the power play. And with 35 seconds left in the second period, potentially getting another goal here. Steinica doing a good job battling in front against DeMontis, drawing the penalty. As Team USA set up for the power play. Chesro gets set to take the face off against Serbu. As we've got 35 and a half seconds remaining in the second period of play. Serbu tries to drop back cleanly. They scrum for the puck along the near boards. It's held in at the point by Kevin Brown. The shot from Tim Kane goes wide to the far corner as Jeff Martin does well to stand up against the boards and keep the puck pinned in. 
Chesro tries to feed it out. Roberts smacks it, and it's out to center ice where Tim Kane picks it up. Holding the stick, the call against DeMontis. A Serbu trying to create some offense here, shorthanded. He's got Raymond with him. The shot right on, turned away. Big save there for Team USA. As the period ends, it's Team Canada 10, Team USA 2, as you're tuned in to the 2019 International Blind Hockey Series. And some good play by both of these teams. If you take into account just the period, 3-2 for Team Canada. So not all that bad for Team USA. There are some positives, but we're just going to take a quick timeout. Like I said, 10-2 for Team Canada after 24 minutes of play. Stay tuned right here. You're listening to AMI-audio. Welcome back. It's the 2019 Eastern Regional Blind Hockey Tournament. We got Canada and USA here. It's 10 to 2 after 24 minutes of play. I'm Jeff Ryman alongside Nico Cartarelli. And of course, Mike Ross is down in the penalty box. Pretty suitable for a guy like you, Ross. <laughs> Rossi, yeah, you, have a, you have a second period recap for yeah, us. Yeah, quick we have, recap uh, for you. Team USA uh, opened the scoring in the second period. Anthony Chesro with his first of the game from Tim Kane. Canada on the power play. Then Alex Angus McKechnie getting his first from Seymour Richard and Jason Uha at 6.16. Chesro back on the board from Kane at 7.01. At 8.23, Anthony Chula with the, with the goal there from Tristan Lindbergh. And then Kelly Serbu finding the mark at 9.02, unassisted, uh, scoring for Team Canada. And a 10-2 lead after two periods of play. All right, thank you, Rossi. Don't get too comfortable in that penalty box. And like I mentioned, I have Nico Cardarelli right beside me. And as well, rejoining us is Dave Brown. Dave, thoughts so far in this game? The third period. Three-man booth finally in the third period. Yeah, it's a little break there, guys. I was watching up uh, a little bit further in the bleachers with Karen McGee in the second period. Looks like the American team has started to find a little bit of that jump in their step, a little bit of grit. And, uh, you, I mean, you know it's a long weekend, right? This is only the first game of three, right, boys? So at a certain point, you have to find uh, you have to find that pushback, and, and they're, they're probably going to be ready tomorrow and Sunday to uh, get a bit of redemption here. Yeah, there's no question about it, Dave. I mean, Team USA is is fighting hard. They're not going to give up today. They're not going to give up all weekend. Interesting strategy from the coach, uh, Mike Svak, to take Doug Goist out. I mean, didn't exactly perform the way they would have liked, but also trying to save the goaltender a little bit in terms of all the hockey he's got to play over this weekend. And Andrew Mead Colgrove in goal for Team USA is the shot from David Clank goes wide, but it's offside across the line. One of the things I want to note from the last period, and I really hope it translates over into the third period for Team USA, is just the aggressiveness. In the mm. first period, we just sort of saw them get outskilled, and they were just, it seemed like a step slower. In that second period, uh, it looked like they were more aggressive, so they're using that aggressiveness to sort of combat the speed of Team Canada, and, and, it, and it, it really did work. Like I mentioned, it may be two, 10 to 2 on the scoreboard, but in terms of per period play, yeah. it was only 3 2 for Team Canada last period. So if they can sort of keep making those small improvements, uh, 
Team USA is, is they, they got a lot of positive to take from this. You know, that was a little bit the story, the untold story of Pittsburgh was how USA just got better and better throughout each game over the weekend. And I think we may see that again here this weekend as, you know, they didn't exactly start the first period the way they would have liked, but they, they are a different team since coming out in the second period. As Again, there's some good defensive play making a zone entry difficult for Team Canada, and Team Canada just not able to operate at the smoothness and efficiency, the ease that they did in the first period. And so much of this is also about uh, puck possession. We hear yeah. that a lot in the pro game and now in the junior game as well, that puck possession is key, and that's what Canada was doing so effectively in the first period, and the USA had trouble disrupting it. And what you saw in the second period is they started to find their legs and find their skill and find their position. They started to disrupt possession a little bit for Team Canada. DeMontis brings the puck across the blue line, gets it into the offensive zone as Serbu digs away for it. Centered in front for Raymond. Big save there by the Buffalo native Andrew Mead Colgrove as the puck cleared to the line but held in. Team Canada feed it down low for Kelly Serbu. Serbu plays it behind the goal. DeMontis feathers it out front for Raymond. His spinorama shot turned away by Colgrove. And then Andrew B. Colgrove freezes it for the faceoff. And what I like about this Team Canada is that they're just so calm. They're just so cool and collected. I mean, we just saw it there with McKechnie on, on defense where he was being pressured by one of the wingers of Team USA. And he just calmly dumped it over to Kelly Serbu, who got in front of the net. It, it was just such a calm and cool play, which is really hard to do because normally people, the second they have any sort of pressure, they just want to get rid of it, and that wasn't the case. Let's give some quick shout-outs to viewers from Arizona, Sugar Shack Lane, and Snoqualmie. I hope I got that right, the hometown of Mark DeFlorio, as Anthony Chula tries to dance his way around Anthony Chesro, but that time Chesro stands him up, and then a tripping call called against Team USA here with 9.07 to go in the third period. Team Canada will head back to the power play as Charlie Mitchell, the guilty party for Team USA. Just wanted to spend more time with Mike Ross. I mean, that was obviously <laughs> what happened there. Can you blame him? I mean, Mike's a pretty personable guy. <laughs> Makes the time in the penalty box a little easier to digest. I mean, if I could call the game from down there beside Rossi, I would. <laughs> Plus, that's where I spent most of my hockey career anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so big power play opportunity here for, for Canada just to get, get the kinks worked out here. Absolutely. It's Joseph Del Grande digging away for the loose puck, but it's Tim Kane who shoots it down the ice for Team USA. Really good play there. The Minister of Defense, Tristan Lindbergh, retrieves it from behind his own goal. He wheels out around the near side, and now he's got some space to skate, but he goes for the cross-ice pass, tape to tape to Anthony Chula. Chula checking for an option. He gets closed down defensively by Belding. As Team USA's Tim Kane gets it to the line, but not out. Shot from the point goes wide of the post as Blake Steinica does well to clear the puck for the Americans with a minute 20 remaining in the power play and 8.25 left in the third period of play. Team Canada bring the puck in offside, so we'll get the stoppage as we apologize there for some technical difficulties on my end. As everything's good, Mark, don't worry. You did your job fine. I made a mistake on my end. <laughs> Guys, thanks for tuning in on the live thread to let us know. 10-2 the score here. 8.23 left in the third period. A minute 16 remaining in the power play for Team Canada. As Team USA... Dig the puck, shorthanded, it's 
Schramm who tries to bring it around Yuha, but Yuha has the puck now for Team Canada. Jason Yuha working along the far side boards in the corner, checks his centering pass options, makes the pass to Fornazier, who quickly gives it back to Yuha. Top of the point, there's the shot from Roberts, and that one just whistled wide. Good pressure right now from Team Canada with the man advantage. Simone Richard, his pass for Yuha got broken up by Chesro as Schramm in there to check against Yuha. Nice one, two. Yuha receives the pass from Richard, crashes the net, but it's cleared away, and then a whistle brings a stoppage in play with 33 seconds left in the Team Canada power play and 7.40 left in the period. I believe the stoppage stemmed from the fact that the net, I think, came dislodged just very momentarily, so the refs wanted to just, just to just to be sure, stop the play and reset everything. Shoutouts to Lissy Danielle, Gary, Steve, Jean, Rage, Chris, or JC Lindbergh, all for chiming in. And we mentioned some interesting locations as well, as we've got viewers from Czech Republic, Portugal, and across all of Canada and the USA as that shot goes wide. 15 seconds remaining on the Team Canada power play. It's Yuha who digs in front for Fornazier. His shot deflected and controlled here by Team USA as Tim Kane tries to lead the breakout. Kane throws his body at the puck to try clear the zone. It stays in. Alex Angus McKechn leaves it for Jason Yuha. Penalty now over. So we're back to even strength hockey as Steinica flips it to the line. McKechn able to hold it in. Steinica banks it out as both teams getting changes on the fly here. It's I mean, Yuha who brings it back into the zone. Tim Kane was almost on the entirety of that penalty kill. Really working hard to stay after that puck. Well, you're certainly going to get a healthy dose of Tim Kane late in each game as if Pittsburgh was any indication, the American coaching staff at times will shorten their bench to try and make an impact. As here it's Clank who throws the puck into the near corner and it's Alex Angus McKechn who picks it up for Team Canada. Rips it around the far boards as uh, Toma Raymond takes control. Gets around Belding. Here's a 2-on-0. Raymond to Serbu in the back of the net. And it's 11-2 Team Canada. You can't draw it up any prettier than that. Great execution by Raymond and Serbu. What a burst of speed. We've seen it before. And... It was just an incredible burst of speed from Raymond down the right side. Went right around the defenders and right over to Kelly Srubu, who I think that's his fourth of the game, is it? Yes, sir. Goodness. Hat trick in the first period, and he adds one here for good measure. Four goals for the El Capitan. As the Tomahawk sets him up for that one. (laughs) And again, you can see the youth and speed that Team Canada has acquired specifically through Toma Raymond and Tristan Lindbergh. When you have speed like that on one specific line, it's deadly. It, it really is. And we've seen that before. And like I mentioned, I think in the second and third periods, and for I think throughout the whole game really, is uh, that Kelly Srubu will basically just right off the faceoff, slap it into the opposing team's zone, and off goes Raymond. And, and uh, they try to just do that little tic-tac-toe right back out in front of the net and pretty much just an easy chip-in for Serbu, who has four so far this game. But this time he finds himself taking a seat alongside Mike Ross. It's Kelly Serbu in the penalty box 
Team USA head to the power play with 5.52 left in the third. Well, he just scored a goal. He's probably tired. (laughs) (laughs) Needs a two-minute breather. Maybe wants to talk to Rossi. Who knows? (laughs) Is is Mike sending autographs in there? Is that why we're getting this? uh, Or is Mike asking for Kelly's autograph? Because you know Kelly's always happy to sign. That's true. Mike does like his memorabilia either way. Well, here goes Team USA's Jeff Martin as he wheels out and tries to lead the rush here on the power play. Martin brings it across the blue line. Team USA looking for their third of the game as he feeds it to the near corner where Joseph Del Grande digs it out off the boards. Chesro, he's got both goals for Team USA, but that time he can't direct it on goal and it's cleared down the ice. The Team USA captain, Tim Kane, flips it over to Anthony Chesro as he tries the drop pass, but that's broken up, and Team Canada clear it back out to center ice where Chesro has it. Chesro, nice job to skate through a couple of checkers, and then it's picked up by Martin, but an offside called against Team USA with 1.02 left in the penalty to Serbu and 4.54 left in the third period. Surprising. Sorry, Dave. I was going to say it's surprising there's only been one goal so far this period. I mean, the first period we saw seven all from Team Canada. Last period, five total goals, and now with under five minutes left to play, it's just, just one goal. So it seems as though Team Canada got off to a really, really hot start. It seems like a lot closer game for the second and third periods. Well, that's, that's exactly it, Jeff. I mean, if you're Team USA's coaching staff led by Mike Spack, I think you almost throw the opening 12 minutes out when you review this game tape and say, let's just focus on what we did right in the second and third period because it's a totally different game than the opening 12. Anthony Chula going backwards, (laughs) showing off the speed. (laughs) You know, Chula's such a smooth skater. He can do that well. And Team Canada really only had... A couple of guys like him in Pittsburgh, but they've added a few more here, and it makes it so much tougher to defend against the Canadians. As here goes Luke Miller. He was playing down in Pittsburgh for Team USA. He's got the puck along the right wing, tries to feed it back for Tim Kane. Kane tries to bank it out front, but he's defended closely by Lindbergh. Edmund. (laughs) As the Minister of Defense comes up with the puck for Team Canada. Here he goes again. Power play over for Team USA. So here goes Lindbergh. Gets around Belding. He's got Serbu going to the net. Serbu backhander right on. What a save by Andrew Mead Colgrove. As he gets patted on the back by his defenseman, Daniel Belding. Belding was saved by the bell there. <laughs> <laughs> Little 90s reference for... Uh, oh, that was I awesome. Like it. That was good. <laughs> you, you've been saving that one I've probably. been saving that one since Mike Ross was doing the introductions. <laughs> of course, for folks who maybe didn't watch Saved by the Bell, Mr. Belding was the uh, school. principal, the school principal. <laughs> and yes, a very well done reference there by Dave. <laughs> you know, I've thought about saying that. I'm glad you did. <laughs> now you've got to use it. I guess I do, You yes. broke out with the Minister of Defense. Now you've got to use it. <laughs> well, Team USA working for puck possession, but it's Tristan Lindbergh who comes up with the puck. It's wrestled away from him and picked up by Daniel Schramm. Schramm has it knocked off his stick. Team USA smack it out to center ice as Chesro battling for possession. Quickly, Team Canada fire it back. Jeff Martin playing alongside Kevin Brown. Martin tries to clear it. DeMontis knocked it down, but now Martin retrieves possession. 
Schramm and Martin both crash to the ice and that gives Simone Richard a chance to control the puck as he plays it over to Jason Uha tries to pick the tight corner there but Mead Colgrove gets just enough of it to make the save 2.40 remaining in the third period of play. Team Canada leading 11-2 over Team USA in the first of three games here at the 2019 International Blind Hockey Series. You've really seen Team USA tighten up their defense a little bit here in the last couple of periods, really playing a much better team game with their positioning, uh, really starting to give Canada a bit of trouble as Canada's not funneling the puck to the center of the ice the way they were the first, the first period of the game. I think we have an update from uh, Mike Ross. Guys, it was interesting. Uh, Kelly Serber was in here. I heard you guys commenting about my autograph seeking. I was actually making, uh, joking with Kelly that he was just looking for a breather after scoring four goals. He needed to come to the penalty box just to relax a little bit. He jokes that he's got about 12 games now without a penalty and says that's been really good for him. He says he's been very well behaved of late. So great sense of humor as this game is going on here down at ice level. So hopefully you didn't draft him in your fantasy leagues and want those penalty minutes from him. I was going to say, i got to review some of those tapes. I'm not sure the streak is quite 12 games, but he certainly plays with his heart on his sleeve, and he is the captain for Team Canada. As Team Canada lead this game with under two minutes to go, it's 11-2. to two as Mead Colgrove made another great save moments ago on Jason Uha. There's a centering pass, and it's the Tomahawk who gets his first international goal. Toma Raymond finishes it off to make it 12-2 for Team Canada. And look at Anthony Chula. He's all fired up. Just assisted on his buddy's first international goal, and just like that, 12-2 for Team Canada with just less than two minutes left. Nice work by Chula to set up Raymond for the tap-in. And no chance for Mead Colgrove on that play by Raymond as it went up over the shoulder of the American goaltender. Minute 40 remaining in the third period of play. Team Canada leading 12-2. Loose puck secured here by Luke Miller as he brings it across the blue line. Miller, he gets hauled down. That's going to be a penalty call as Chula brings his man into the boards and then they'll whistle it down as Raymond looks to be the player who may be heading to the box here. Kind of an awkward play as they were coming down into Team Canada's zone where they were sort of got tangled up and I guess a bit of a hook from Raymond and they both slid into the, the boards and just kind of a weird, awkward play. I don't think it was a really dirty play. It was just two guys battling for the puck. And it's kind of nice to see that two guys this late in the game, and considering how lopsided it is, with just under a minute and a half left to go, they're still battling Team USA. They're definitely not going out without a fight. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, there's no quit in the Americans. And it's funny because that's the hashtag here for the 67s, no quit. But honestly, that kind of exemplifies Team USA as they don't care what the score on the clock is, they play until the final buzzer. They also want to set the tone for the rest of the weekend, right? Yeah. They're, they're not going anywhere. They, they might get a couple hours off here to rest, to rest up, but they're back at it tomorrow, so they, they know they're still playing for something here. 
Tim Kane leads Anthony Chesro up the right wing. He's got room to skate. Chesro draws it back, intended for Martin. Kane picks up the loose puck. His shot just goes wide. Clank tries to jam it home along the near post. That's stopped by Weber. Bouncing puck in through the crease as Clank takes possession. His centering pass for Martin tries the backhander, but that's wrestled away by Yuha. Brown keeps it in at the point. Yuha then banks it off the boards and down the ice with 35 seconds left in the third period of play. Into the near corner as Chesro tries to take possession for Team USA. He digs it loose and feeds it up to Clank. Clank has Steinica trailing him in support. Steinica gets the puck, feathers it down low into the corner where Alex Angus McKechn takes possession. You know, Matt Morrow wears so many hats, he's even doing dog duty right now. (laughs) And we do want to acknowledge the great volunteers here as the opening game of this international blind hockey series will go to Team Canada. The final buzzer sounds. The kids in attendance cheer on the effort and Team Canada takes this opening game by a final score of 12-2 over Team USA. Great game from both teams. Like I said, in the first period, Canada totally dominated in the second and third. A lot closer as uh, Team USA was able to get on the board finally in a second period and didn't go down without a fight, as I just mentioned just moments ago, that even though they were pretty much down and out the last minute or so left to go, still battling it out. And, of course, this is just the first of three games so far in this weekend. And, of course, there's a lot more as well than just... Team Canada and Team USA coming up after this on Parasport TV. We have the open division with the Furies versus the Red Blacks. Of course, Team Canada is back at this tomorrow with game number two at 1 p.m. And Team Canada also plays Team USA on Sunday at 11 a.m. And teams are just lining up here to go through the old handshake line and just congratulate each other. One of the great traditions in all of sports, the handshake line after a hockey game. Such a, such a show of respect for two teams who uh, compete so hard during the course of whistle-to-whistle play. And I think we're going to go down to Mike Ross, who has a recap of today's 12-2 game from Team Canada and Team USA. Yeah, we'll do this as quickly as we can here, guys. We started in the first period. It was a big one for Canada. Opening the scoring a minute two into the game, Jason Uha from Simon Richard. Then Richard gets on the scoreboard with his first goal of the game from Roberts and Yuha at 135. Kelly Serbu then gets into the action, scoring unassisted at 252. Joe Fornasier then scoring, number 93 for Canada, scoring at 434 from Chula and Lindbergh. Serbu back on the board again, unassisted once again at the seven-minute mark. Anthony Chula then scoring his first goal of the game. Mark DeMontis drawing the helper there at 910. And at the 11-minute mark, Jason Uha closing out the scoring in period number one from Lindbergh and Wyatt Harvey. Period number two starts with Canada leading 7-0. Uh, the USA team gets on the board at 25 seconds into the second. Anthony Chesro getting his first from uh, Tim Kane. Then Canada scoring on the power play. The only uh, the only power play goal of this game. Alex Angus McKechn from Richard and Yuha at 616. 
Chesro then replies for the U.S. And Tim Kane drawing the assist on that one at 7.01. Chula getting back for Canada at 8.23 from Lindbergh. And then Serbu with another unassisted marker. This one coming at 9.02 of the second period. And only two goals to tell you about in the third period. Kelly Serbu finding the back of the net for the fourth time in this game. Thomas Raymond adding the assist. That one coming at 5.45. And at 10.20 of the third period, Raymond finding the back of the net with his first from Chula and Joseph Del Grande. And that's it for the scoring. 10 or 12-2, rather, your final. Team Canada over Team USA. Thank you, Mike. You can catch your breath. Probably <laughs> breathing pretty heavily after that Thank one. Thank you. Guys, I want to go around here. Because I know, Mike, you can chime in on this as well. I know, since you're the PA announcer of the Maple Leafs, I know you have a say in the three stars of the game. Yeah. I want to go around. Mm. We'll start with the third star. Mike, who would you mm. give third star of the game to after reading off all of that? Third star of this game? Um, I think I might go with Anthony Chula. Oh, pretty good choice. Know, he was interesting. Uh, I mean, he gets in on the offense, but he's also a, a, a you know the speed. He's a, a defensive player as well. He uh, he controls the flow of the game, controlled the puck well. So I would say my third star would be Chula. Nico, I'll give second choice to you. Second star. Uh, well, if you're gonna go Anthony Chula, I'll go with the other Anthony. I'll go with Anthony Chesro, who had two goals for the Americans. I thought he really led the way for them offensively. I know it was a tough game for Team USA, but again, considering he's coming off that really severe uh, collarbone injury, uh, the way he played, the way he skated, got the couple of goals to boot. I would have picked him as probably third star, but since you're making me pick second, I'll give Anthony Chesro second star honors. Yeah, definitely some positive. Positives to take from that Team USA roster. Him and Tim Kane played very well together. Yeah. Dave, I'll give you the special guest honor. Oh, goodness. First star goes to you. Oh, goodness, Jeff. I mean, you can't discount the offensive production of Kelly Serbu with the four goals, but I think the, the player that probably brought us out of our seats uh, the majority of the time this afternoon was, was Lindbergh. Mm. Uh, the way he was counterattacking and moving the puck and skating, uh, flying down the ice like Paul Coffey. How, how can we not credit that kind of electrifying play? Yeah, if I were to give out the first star, it would definitely be Lindbergh or the Minister, <laughs> the minister. of Defense. <laughs> as he had a couple of highlight plays. Yeah. And I also want to bring in Karen McGee, who's sitting here quietly with us. I'm never quiet. Not quiet right now. <laughs> we were shushed in the second period up in the up in the yeah. last row. No, what, what I really enjoyed about this game actually was watching these young people in the stands. I'm sure you could hear them um, enjoying their was probably their first introduction to blind hockey, and I think they had a really exciting game, lots of goals, and they were right into it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the one thing that really stands out to me, and I, I feel like a broken record saying this because I, I say it pretty much every single time we, we broadcast one of these tournaments and the last one for me being the Canadian National Championship um, back in March is that every single time I watch this, it just seems to get faster and there's new names on this roster. Like when we were back there in Toronto a couple months ago, Lindbergh wasn't on the roster. Yeah. Like like he, he he's from Edmonton. Yep. I, I'm assuming he's fairly new to the sport of blind hockey you know he's an incredible story he came out to the summer camp 
he had messaged uh, Matt and Luca to try get involved in the program, asking if we we're going to run anything out in Edmonton. We said, you know, we're hoping to one day, but definitely not this year. We won't be able to. But why don't you come out to our summer training camp? We'll see how you do. You know, we'll get a sense of what you can do on the ice. He came out in the first day of training camp. He was in with the open division. We saw him take the ice and said, this guy's got to go to the national team. We gave him the invitation to to try and make the national team. And, yeah, he's certainly uh, made quite the impact here for Team Canada. Whenever you, Like I said, whenever you can have a defensive skater with that type of caliber offense-wise, like I said, he, he, he reminds me of Victor Hedman. He really does. Yeah. I mean, just like the defensive play. Um, and I, I think the defense for Team Canada is really what I think sealed the deal. I, I really do think Team USA has a solid offensive roster. Um, but just the pinching of the defense from Team Canada. That's really what kept the puck in the U.S.'s defensive zone. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I I think that really went a big way. Well, typically in hockey, we'd use the expression, you have a nose for the puck, right? Mm -hmm. You're smelling the puck out. Um, Tim Kane for the Americans was all over the puck. He He had an ear for the puck all game and you saw one play late in the third period where there was an opportunity for him to take a shot from the slot and he just unleashed a wrist shot Mm. that just missed going into the net so when we talk about the speed of the skating we're also seeing some of that skill development around the net now uh hitting that next level for some of these players i know tim kane probably one of the more experienced players for for the united states team but he just looked incredible for a huge chunk of the game killing penalties creating opportunities in the offensive zone and that that wrist shot that he took i was i mean it was essentially a one-timer and he just let that thing fly nico we've got about a minute left quickly if people still want to watch the rest of these games throughout the tournament where can they go yeah absolutely we're going to be streaming all games this weekend on the canadian blind hockey youtube channel really easy just go to youtube type in canadian blind hockey click on the page and it'll always be the first video up on the page we're also we've also got the videos posted after the games on parasport.tv as well but canadian blind hockey youtube channel for all the live action awesome thank you very much nigo thank you dave guys hey guys karen thanks for letting me crash the party (laughs) (laughs) no problem anytime for you dave we also want to give uh thanks out to mike ross karen mcgee dave brown and myself jeff ryman the 2019 eastern canadian regional tournament continues as nico said right after this on parasport tv so make sure you tune in to then or to there for i'm jeff ryman so long from td place And uh, we'll see you guys next time. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. 
Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepherd of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.